Exodus 20, beginning in verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. Thus far in the reading of God's holy law, and we sing together um, in 12 to 15. Um, in, in all the two records of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 and in Deuteronomy 5, um, the words are very similar, almost exactly word for word. But in the fourth commandment, there's a very clear distinction. Um, you'll, you'll notice it has to do with one of the reasons God gives to keep the Lord's Day, to keep the Sabbath and we'll consider this in our, in our message. So Deuteronomy 5, beginning in verse 12. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, 
But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. Amen. May God bless the reading of his own word. And we come be- Dear congregation, we today focus on this very day, the Lord's Day. We focus on the fourth commandment. We have been looking at all of the commandments the last few Sundays. We have seen that the first commandment concerns the object of our worship, who is God. The second commandment concerns the way we ought to worship, which is God's way. And the third concerns the manner or the heart of our worship, which is to be with reverence and honor. Not taking the Lord's name in vain means that we honor God Himself. We take His name for His person. And now the fourth commandment we see concerns time. It concerns a day. It concerns the Sabbath. So God is the one to be worshipped. He is the one who tells us how to worship Him, and He tells us when. He is the object, He sets the liturgy, He sets the tone, and He sets the time. God is to be worshipped, and He tells us when to do it. Now, when He tells us when to do it, he is, he is actually giving us, in a sense, a remedy as well as a pattern. And I say a pattern because when we look at the command to remember the Sabbath day, he, he gives us this pattern of work and of rest, of six days of work and one day of rest. He sets a pattern that is, in a sense, a parallel to his own Work to his own rest. He worked six days creating the world and he rested from work in creating. And then he tells us, in essence, to do the same, to follow the pattern. And why do I say a remedy? He gives us a remedy because this is, I'm sure, maybe to some degree or another, Um, more or less important to you, depending on how diligent you are as a person in terms of, of organizing yourself. But at least in my experience, almost everyone we talk to, and, and I completely associate with that, all of us need to learn how to better use our time how to organize our time so that we have time for everything that is important, time for our family and time for our work and time for our loved ones and in doing what is important so that we can provide for our family and also doing what is essential so that we can truly live 
And when we observe the Lord's Day, when we follow the fourth commandment, what God is doing is He's giving us a gift because He's teaching us to prioritize and to really have in our hearts the understanding of the thing that matters most. And we all understand this, that when you're trying to learn something, if you start with the foundation, you'll do well. But if you have no foundation, you're in a sense never starting. But this is the foundation. God is saying, you want to learn how to use your time? Well, then prioritize and keep one day for me. And understand in doing so that I'm the very one to whom that day belongs because I'm the very one to whom every day belongs. And if the day, then the hours and the minutes. And God is literally teaching us that He's the owner of time. And we bow to His time, not to ours. And we've, we've been learning then that that God is the one to be worshipped, and now we're being told he, He's the one who created this world, and He's the one who created time. And we, with all of our being, we just respond to God in worship. We have a day now to worship. Um, Philip Graham Ryken, he summarized it all very beautifully. He said, the Sabbath is a day for worship, a day for mercy, and a day for rest. So this day um, is in reference to time. And God is teaching us how to use our time wisely. How to use it for His glory. And how to use it even for our benefit. Because we'll be the blessed ones if we, if we learn that God is the owner of time. And He's the owner of this day. And He's teaching us that we are to bow to Him even regarding our time. We're going to be looking at the fourth commandment um, with, with, with the first word that comes, at least when we read in Exodus chapter 20, um, in verse 8, we're told, remember the Sabbath day. And as we read the command, we see that there's this clear connection with creation. So we are to remember God as creator. And then we read Deuteronomy because there, what's singled out is not God's creation, but God's deliverance when God delivered His people from Egypt. And that is, of course, in Exodus 20, in the very preamble that, that we, we read, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. God reminds them that He delivered them. And, and so that's another thing to remember. We remember God as creator. We remember God as a deliverer. And we will see that his creation and his salvation are, of course, all fulfilled in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. So our third point will be remembering Christ. Because in a summary, that is what we're doing today. Every Lord's Day, we're remembering the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the first thing to consider is that, that this command has, has three parts to it. Um, so we are in our first point, remembering creation. But a, a, a few introductory things before we talk about creation itself and what we're to remember about it. Um, there, there, there's these three things, in almost like three components to this one command. And each of these components are commands in themselves. The first one is the word remember. Remember the Sabbath day. See, that is a command. 
We're being commanded to remember. And, and this is where there's this irony in which it's a sad, it's a sad irony. You, you talk to many believers, they'll look at the Ten Commandments and they'll literally say that's the command that's been abrogated. That's the command we don't really have to keep. Some of the things they use is, well, Christ fulfilled it in His rest. We all now have rest. Now, in a sense, every day is a day of rest, so we don't really have to keep this day. Others will say, well, we don't keep it because, of course, it was a Sabbath. It was an Old Testament thing. And since it's a New Testament, in the life of Christ, since He never spoke of it directly, then we don't need to. Some people say Jesus spoke of every command in one way or another directly, minus this one. So we really can abrogate it. And... and People who say that don't realize they're, they're taking away such a great, great blessing. What's so hard about keeping this command? Remember. It's almost like saying, you know, we don't need Memorial Day anymore. We don't need Christmas anymore. We don't need Thanksgiving anymore. Let's just stop remembering. And, and it's so easy. Every time a holiday comes, we don't see it as, as drudgery. Boys and girls, when Thanksgiving is coming, do, 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 are, you ever, are you ever sad that Thanksgiving's coming? Are you ever sad that it's Memorial Weekend? None of us are. It's, it's a holiday. And, and, and this is exactly what Christ wants us to see about the Sunday. It is a, it's a holy day because it's a holiday in the sense that you are, you are kept from work so that you can rest. And you are to remember. It's a memorial. These are blessings. We don't, we don't do away with other memorials. Why would we do away with one that God has given us and given us every single week? That's another blessing. Not just one memorial a year, like all these others typically are. It is once a week. We are called to remember. We are called to be with, with our minds thinking. And, and we've seen already thinking of creation and thinking of salvation. Thinking really of the two most important things that have ever, ever happened in all of creation and all of history. Nothing can compete with that. Because everything else exists in this context. Thanksgiving exists because there was a world to discover by some people who were created by God. And they simply came to another part of the world that God created. So if, if we are mindful of Thanksgiving, won't we be mindful of the world that God created in six days? And the people that sailed to the new world. And I could say that about every other um, Memorial Day. In, in a couple weeks, in a week or so, we're going to be celebrating Memorial Day, which is celebrating all the lives, thankful for the lives of those who put their lives in harm's way for the freedom of our country. These are people who bear God's image. And we are the ones who are alive. Ours is the country that has been blessed with freedom, with safety, many other Countries have been blessed with freedom through our soldiers throughout history. So if we will celebrate that, will we not celebrate again the creator of this whole entire world and universe? You see, Sunday is a memorial day. We're remembering creation 
and remembering salvation. And we'll speak of those in turn soon. The second component of this commandment is not only to remember. The next component is to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. See, remember is a command. Keeping it holy is also a command. But these aren't two commands. They're components of the one-fourth commandment. And to keep it holy means to keep it set apart. However else you do Monday through Saturday, Sunday is to be set apart. If, if you're a mechanic for six days of the week, you're, you're not to continue being a mechanic on this day of the week. If you're a farmer and you sow seeds for six days, the Lord is saying, don't do it the seventh day. If, if you're a doctor and you're, you're just doing a lot of things in a routine way, well, try as much as you can not to do it on this day. And if you have to, it enters the mercy element but even a doctor will try to make it where this day is a day that he will stop to remember, he will stop to rest, because it's not his day, it's the Lord's day. And the Lord is saying this, just it's a Sabbath of the Lord our God. The word Sabbath means a rest. And so you set it apart for it to be a rest. And, and this is the third component. The third component is the word rest. Because we, we read in verse 9... Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. So there is the pattern of work. But then verse 10, But the seventh day is a Sabbath, a rest of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Just plain and simple. And, and again here too, beloved, think of this. What is so hard about not working? About resting? Remember, keep, and rest. And of course, this rest has its own details. It does not mean to do nothing. Because when God created in six days, the seventh day, God was not idle at all. He was working because He was sustaining the creation that He created. He was working hard. So this rest is not, it's not meaning idleness. It doesn't mean to, to do nothing. But it is, it is the pattern. God was creating, creating, creating. And on the day of rest, he, he ceased from creating. And so again, you're a teacher, a teacher, a teacher. And then on the Sabbath, you rest from being a teacher. And, and whatever it is, the employment, we, we never rest from being a father, from being a mother, from being a son or a daughter. We, we don't rest from things that you are by God's gift, but you do rest from work, from the daily chores that, that provide sustenance to you and your family. Now, Jesus in his life gave many details of, of the principles that we can go through. It doesn't mean that you're a farmer, your animal goes into a ditch. Well, you're not going to work because that would be work to take care of that animal. No, you go and take care of that animal, bringing him out. See, this is not in the category of you're a teacher, a teacher, a teacher, a teacher. You see someone needing help, you will go help that person or even that animal on a Sabbath. And Jesus, he purified the Sabbath and explained what it's really supposed to be for and how you're supposed to 
to, to take care of it. The, the rest doesn't mean you do nothing. You can do things of emergency. You should do things of mercy. But you rest from the normal things you do to make money, in essence, to provide for your family in order to worship the Lord. And this is the next thing of this rest. It, we're going to see that there are principles in God's Word that this, this rest is so that you have time to rest spiritually. And exactly, precisely what we're doing right here. That we've assembled, we've joined together, we have heard God's word proclaimed, we have been singing hymns of praise, we have been praying to the Lord, and now we're hearing a sermon. We are in holy worship. We will see that this is what spiritual rest is all about. Our bodies are resting from that day-to-day chore whereby we provide for our families, but our souls now are resting. We're working in a spiritual way, and that brings rest to our bodies and to our souls. The Sabbaths in the Old Testament were very busy days in terms of worship. Circumcision was going on. Sacrifices were brought before the Lord. It was the busiest day for the priests and the Levites in terms of of taking those animals, carrying animals, slaying them, cleaning, placing it on the altar. There was wood to be carried and fire to be made and ropes to be dealt with and basins and utensils that had to be washed. But all of that was in focus of the worship of Almighty God. So it was a busy day. To the Lord, you would say. And one more detail um, is who are the people um, to whom this command is concerned? So we, we've seen these three preliminaries, the, the command to remember, to keep, and to rest. But now there's one more thing in terms of, of introduction, even in this first point. It's like an introduction to the first point, already in the first point. Who are the people who are, to whom this command concerns? Now, when we, when we read this list, um, if we go back to Exodus 20, verse 11, no, verse, verse 10, it says that the first person is a son, nor thy son. So what's implied here is it's speaking to a father. And that might be the first thing that comes to your mind. Then he say, nor the daughter, nor the manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. And then you'll notice that it never said a mother. So the, ten, the fourth commandment is directed to the father and the mother. They're the ones to whom this is commanded to make sure it is kept. And you could add, and some commentaries add, and it's to the employer as well, because the employee is being um, addressed. So that means, I mean, the employee is being mentioned, so that means the employer is being addressed. You can think of, of that father and mother because you're thinking of a farm. But you see, if you if you're, um, have some leadership in a company, and it, it's speaking here that those who work for you are supposed to keep this day as well. So it's speaking to you if you're an employer, speaking to you if you're a father, and if you are a mother. And now this inclusion of the mother here, and also in the very next commandment, honor thy father and thy mother. This is really, in a sense, monumental. 
because we know that even in those days, yes, there was the order of a father and the mother and how the mother, the wife, was to be submissive to the husband. All of that order is completely kept. But what God is doing in the law is showing that both father and mother, in his eyes, fatherhood and motherhood are completely equal. James Murphy, um, he's a pastor whose commentary Spurgeon made great use of. He said this, It makes the mother and the wife not subject in this respect, but equal to the husband. God is not here dealing with how a father and wife, a husband and wife relate, but how they relate to the children, and they're put into the same category. Fathers and mothers are responsible that the Lord's day is kept holy. Now, this is precious to be put this way because you, you may have noticed in some experience, sometimes you have a father who wants to bring the children to church, but the mom is not so interested in it. Or you have a wife, very often it's that way, a wife who is very interested in coming to church and the father is not being very cooperative. This commandment comes to both father and mother. You are both responsible to make sure that your children are keeping the Lord's day. Remembering, keeping, and resting. This this comes to the parents, to employers. And of course, boys and girls, and young men and women, you're a son or a daughter. Of course, this is command to you because You are the ones who will be obeying it, not just from the words, of course, of your parents, but from God's own word. But you see then how God brings this order and brings this responsibility. And one more thing to comment before we speak of creation itself. In verse 9, we find God's word bringing a certain reason, not a certain, a reason for this command that, that is, in a sense, putting you in a position of using reason, of seeing how reasonable this command is. We read in verse 9, Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. And then we have verse 10, But the seventh is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. What we have here is the Lord saying, almost like reasoning with you and saying, I have given you six for you to work, and I am taking one for you to observe unto me. And that is time enough for you to work. And this is very simple and very reasonable for you to give unto me. Um, We have one Puritan, Thomas Watson, who who imagined God as if saying this when he says, Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. He says, it's as if God is saying, I'm not a hard master. I do not grudge thee time to look after thy calling and to get an estate. I have given thee six days to do all thy work in and have taken but one day for myself. I might have reserved six days for myself and allowed thee but one, but I have given thee six days for the works of thy calling and have taken but one day for my own service. It is just and rational, therefore, that thou should set this day in a special manner apart for my worship. God is reasoning with us and saying, again, it's, it's a sense, this is not hard. You have six, I have one. 
Will you give me but one of all your six? And Matthew Henry says this, well, of all your seven. Matthew Henry puts it this way, Time enough we have to serve ourselves in those six days. On the seventh day, let us serve God. And time enough to tire ourselves on the seventh. It will be a kindness to us to be obliged to rest. We have time enough to tire ourselves on the seventh, we will be kind to rest. We will be kind to ourselves. Beloved, in, in many ways, this, this is, I've heard many pastors say this in sermons. This command really is the test of your heart to test your love for the Lord, your devotion, your desire. He's not commanding you to build He's not commanding you to spend. He's not commanding you to engineer anything. He's not telling you to conquer or to sweat or to weep. If if it were for you to be extremely busy, then there would be those who would be weak who would complain that they can't do it. If it was a call for, for something very academic, there would be those who don't like school and would complain if it had to do with financial contributions that that were, in essence, mandatory, as it were, well, then many would complain they don't have enough money for it. No, it's merely a call to cease from the day-to-day work and employ yourself in another, in a heavenly one, in one in which you'll remember and you will rest, and you will honor the Lord. And so now let's speak very briefly about remembering God's creation. And there, there are basically six bullet points here about what we're remembering when we're remembering God's creation. Number one, we're remembering, we're being reminded that this world is God's. It, it, had, it had a... A, a creator, it had an engineer, it had an architect. Um, the Lord's Day is the quintessential, it is the original and the biblical Earth Day. And you know how the world has, in a sense, created the Earth Day, and, it's, and I think it's, it's just one day of the year. Well, well, God actually has one day out of seven to be Earth Day, in a sense. But see, it's, it's, it's not at all Earth Day like the world sees it, where they're just mesmerized by this world, and, and in essence, worshiping the world. We are worshiping the God who created the world. And we have one day in seven to remember this world has a creator. And then it reminds us, of course, of the great power of God. The astonishing, incalculable power that God has to create this world in six days. And to sustain it to this very day. It makes us mindful that this world has an owner. That he is almighty and powerful. And then thirdly, it reminds us, of course, of the great love of God. Because we look at this world and we see the majesty and its beauty. The oceans that cover this world. And the lands and the mountains and the valleys. And we think of the fruit and the the, the sheer amount of tastes and aromas and combinations. So that we can be fed and we dig into the dirt. And there is gold and there is iron ore to this very day. From the day God created us, 
and creator of the world, we're still harvesting what God gave us, gold and silver and aluminum and so many more things. It reminds us of the great love of God. Boys and girls, if you see, if you go to the Grand Canyon and you look at that majesty and beauty, let this be one of the thoughts. God gave that to you. He, he wanted you to see it and to be in awe of it because He loves you. So we're reminded that the world is His, that our Creator is powerful, that our Creator is loving. But we're also reminded, especially now that there's been many, many years of history in this world, we're reminded of the sheer patience of God. Because this very world as we know it has received many judgments of God. One that was around the globe. And then many cities and nations and peoples, as we read the Bible, we see the many judgments that have come through this world. And yet we continue as a people where disobedience is, is common. We, we see sin, we see violence, we see crime, and God is patient. God is loving. He still gives us sunshine and rain. So we see His patience. And then fifthly, we could say that we are also remembering God's own rest See, it's exactly remembering creation that we remember, yes, He created in six days, then He rested on the seventh. So when you remember creation, you're remembering God's rest. Now, when you think of God's rest, think in this sense, God, God is basically saying, imitate me. I, I worked for six days. I rested from that work. I was still working in other things, but it was a day of contemplation. It was a day of looking back and being grateful for what you see. And God is saying, imitate me. Do that. Work hard Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Then take a day to just stop and be thankful for that weeks of work. Be thankful for the provision that God gave. Be thankful that He sustained you. Be thankful that you're healthy. Matthew Henry said, He rested the seventh day, took a complacency in himself and rejoiced in the work of his hand to teach us on that day to take a complacency in him and to give him the glory of his works. See, God looked at it all. He saw it was good. He was full of joy on the seventh day. We get to this day. We, we look at a week behind. And, and, and even this way, right, beloved, we think of prayers were answered. We, we think of of people who are being healed, people who are needing help. But we, but we can look back and, and just thank the Lord on this day. And we're doing what God did. We're doing what Psalm 92, 4 says, For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. So that was the fifth thing. And then the sixth thing is that we are remembering also, when we remember creation, remember the pattern of creation. God created the world in six days, and He created the Sabbath, and He blessed the Sabbath. So, so when we remember creation, we don't just remember God worked for six days and rested the seventh and what all that means, but we also remember that on that day, He blessed it. This is a blessed day. The day of rest is a day that God has blessed. And remember always, very simple, blessing is the idea of happiness, of joy. He, he made it a day of joy. He made it a day of gladness. So let it be to you, beloved, that this be a, a, a day of joy, 
a day of happiness. And how unwise it would be of us to, to unbless this day by keeping it like all the other days and not setting it apart. It, we do it to our own ruin. We, we do it to our own unblessing, you see? And so these thoughts as we remember creation. But now secondly, and this will be briefly, remember God's salvation. And this is why we read in Deuteronomy. You'll notice in Deuteronomy, it doesn't speak there of the six days of creation and then God resting. But it does say um, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And then it says in verse 15, And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. So in Deuteronomy, he's bringing the deliverance of God's people from Egypt. And, and this is how, if, if we um, were Jewish people, and some of you may, may be Jewish people, see in the history of Israel, they had this understanding. On the seven, one day of week, we remember the deliverance from Egypt. And boys and girls, think of us as Americans. We celebrate the Independence Day when we became independent of England. And, and we celebrate um, Memorial Day. And we celebrate Thanksgiving. And see, those are days we remember things. Well, the Jews, on, on the Sabbath, one day a week, they remember that they were slaves in Egypt. And with a mighty hand, God delivered them. This is what I mean by it's a day to remember deliverance. Now, you could say this is deliverance number one that we are to remember. The deliverance from Egypt. I believe even we as, as non-Jews can celebrate and be thankful for that as well. I, I think many of us grow up and these stories are so much our own because we, we, we've been studying them through Sunday school and in our homes. And, and, and we rejoice that the Israelite people were delivered not too long ago, we were in Exodus, and we were seeing that deliverance. And isn't that something good to remember? They were slaves in Egypt. Remember that they, they had no freedom. They had no property that were their own. They, they belonged to the, to the Egyptian people. The people who didn't work as they should have would receive those whiplashes. Imagine coming home from work and having whiplashes on your back. Remember when Moses came and started to speak in behalf of the people, Pharaoh got so angry, he commanded them to make bricks without straw and keep the same tally of bricks. And, and, and they were groaning. They were in a misery. They were sorrowful. And God heard those groans and sent the deliverer Moses. And you know the story. With the plagues, that's God's mighty hands. Pharaoh ended up commanding them to go. They are faced with the Red Sea and the army of Pharaoh coming behind. God opens the Red Sea as it were a highway and on dry ground they leave Egypt. And so this is a whole other event. We spoke of creation and now this is salvation. Those are the two things that we're remembering this day. And, and, and I do believe that to a, to a degree, this is what we have to do. We come to church and we're thinking, God created the world. This very world I'm in. It is His. This time is His. He, he created me. All this beauty that I see, he, I need a day to focus on His powerful handiwork in creating this world. And 
Our people Israel, spiritually, were slaves in Egypt, and God with a mighty hand delivered them. Aren't those two grand events that we need a holy day every week for? And then, of course, it only increases when we add this reality. We're remembering Christ. Christ is the fulfillment of the creation and the fulfillment of the deliverance from Egypt. Christ's work on the cross was more majestic and more powerful and had a greater degree of what you could say reality to it than even the creation of the world. And that was salvation. And of course, it was a greater degree of salvation than that of Egypt, out of Egypt. We refer to the work of Christ as a work of new creation and the work, of course, of salvation. And this is our third point. Beloved, this is what we're doing here today. See, as, as believers, we have, now you could say, three reasons why we're here. We're remembering God created the world. We're remembering God delivered his people out of Egypt. And we're thankful for that because it's through that that Jesus was born through that people. And we are remembering that Jesus came and took our sins and died for his own so that you and I can have a new creation and be truly saved. And think of it, beloved, this way. If the creation of the world was magnificent enough to be remembered. What of new creation? And we'll talk about it in a second. If the deliverance from the land of Egypt was magnificent enough to be remembered and to be sung about, and we have psalms that sing of, of the glorious deliverance and seeing those waters open for the people of God to pass, if that's good enough to be remembered, what of the conversion of souls. Hearts made right with God. Souls reconciled with their maker. The kingdom of darkness giving up the conquered souls to the kingdom of the Son of God's love. Beloved, when a soul is born again, that soul is snatched from the kingdom of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of God. And all because our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, came to this earth. Look how beautiful the parallels. Jesus is the greater than Moses. The Israelites were so happy that baby Moses was born and preserved in the river. We are so thankful baby Jesus was born and preserved in Egypt. And as he grew up with a carpenter as a father, with a mom who had been a virgin, in lowly Bethlehem and then lowly Nazareth, but he began his ministry. He worked six days, and he always rested the seventh. The people who say Jesus didn't say much about the Sabbath, if you put together all his teaching, he said a lot. He taught us how 
to use the Sabbath. You can heal on the Sabbath if you would have that power. You can take care of someone who is sick on the Sabbath. And you can do a little harvesting if it is just to keep alive. You can do good deeds. Deeds of mercy and deeds of necessity. And you know where Jesus was every Sabbath? He was in the synagogues. We read a passage that Jesus was there as it was customary. Jesus did that every single Sabbath. He went to the synagogues. He did not stay home. He did not just stay in the fields. Um, Luke 4.16 And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, that's the key word, this was his custom. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And what Jesus was doing was not just obeying the fourth commandment, but he was obeying other details in the law like Leviticus 23.3 that says, that brings a detail that we don't just rest at home as it were. We, we assemble together to keep the Sabbath. Look at Leviticus 23.3. Six days shall work be done. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. Ye shall do no work therein. It is a Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. You rest from work, but you're, you're, you're to be assembled together to worship. And so it doesn't mean like no work, period, because being in church is work. And especially if you have many children, you know what work entails. And you might get to the car and the car needs something to go and you need to work on it to make it go. And, and, but you do because you want to be here. We've been, assemb- we've been called to assemble. This is what Jesus did. And we're doing what he did because we're remembering him. Remember, beloved, always this reality. Whoever's not saved is in the darkness of Egypt. It's like a spiritual bondage of Egypt. It's worse than what that Egypt bondage was. Because we're in the deadness of our sins in that state. In the deadness of unbelief, the Bible says, without Christ, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, having no hope and without God in the world. When we were unsaved, and if you're still unsaved, you are a slave to sin. You obey sin's commands. It's like sin stands with a whip, and if you don't do what it tells you, it will scourge you. You are made to make bricks without straw. Nothing is your own but the miserable state of your soul. You have no spiritual possessions, no freedom, no hope. Only sorrows and groans and complaints. But with those, and be encouraged. If you feel you're in that very state, use that very, those very groans and that very, those very complaints to go to the Lord Jesus to deliver you so that you will be set free. There is a greater than Moses. Moses can't come to deliver you, but Jesus came. And by trust in him, he will lead you out of Pharaoh's domain. And he will take you to the promised land. And every believer, this is what we're celebrating. We're celebrating that Jesus came and he conquered us. We are his new creation. We have been saved. And and in a word, and I, I won't be having time to get into detail, but this is why it is now Sunday. Because see, when Jesus 
died on the cross. It was a Friday. He died on a Friday. And they hurried up to prepare his body because the Sabbath was coming. And even those ladies and Nicodemus and, and, and Joseph, they, they needed to prepare his body quickly because the day of rest was coming. And as his body was ready and they laid it in a grave, the Sabbath began. It's not coincidence that Jesus rested from his work of salvation. He dies on the cross. He said, it is finished, and he's buried. So sundown, remember, Sabbath begins. And Jesus was in the grave. And the Sabbath was from sundown to sunset to sunrise. And so early Sunday morning, when it would be okay for the ladies and others to go work, they go to prepare the body. And when they arrive, the stone is rolled away. So that we know that Jesus was there officially three days, and the fullness of the Sabbath, He was there. And don't think of it as complete rest. There was a sense of rest because His body was dead. But remember that whole reality that that was the final place to go for the final battle, as it were, because Christ entered the very realm of death to conquer death. And then when he arose from the grave, he arose a conqueror. He went to the very realm and domain of death and came forth alive on this very day of the week, a Sunday. And beloved, that's what changed everything. The first day of the week became known as the Christian Sabbath. It is our Christian day of rest. Where we, where we apply all the principles of remembering and of setting apart and of keeping. But with this in mind, it's, it's on the first day now because Jesus arose from the grave. And that's reason enough to do it. And to be thankful for all that he has done. For creation and new creation, for the deliverance from Egypt and from the salvation, for the salvation of our souls. And may it be true for each and every one. By faith in Christ it can be. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious and glorious God, we praise thee, Lord, for for this day of rest that we have one day in seven set apart. Help us, Lord, to do so. Please forgive us, Lord, when our minds, perhaps we're bodily here, but our minds aren't. Forgive us, Lord, if we do not remember all that we are to remember, if we don't dedicate the time that we are to dedicate even to prepare for this day. Help us, Lord, to see the great blessing that it is, that that it is a day that has been blessed, so it becomes a great blessing to each and every one of us. Lord, we, we pray that Thou would... Help us see the the value of this day, the preciousness of it, and especially as we see the preciousness of Christ and what He has done for us. And we pray, Lord, all these things in His holy name. Amen.